We've shared together in the Apostles' Creed and prayer and music. Now we turn to our scripture reading. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And it's our practice after the scripture to be read. I'll conclude with the word of God for the people of God, and then you can respond. Uh, Thanks be to God as it's in bold in the bulletin. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Years ago, I heard the story of a man who bought a new washing machine. The old washing machine worked just fine, but his spouse wanted one of those new energy-efficient models, and so he went to Sears and got a new washing machine, brought it home, installed it, and then he had to figure out, what am I going to do with the old washer? It still worked, and so he didn't just want to throw it out. He figured somebody will get some use out of this washing machine, and so he had an idea. He went and got a piece of plywood from the garage. He got his paintbrush out. And he made himself a sign. On the sign, he printed, free works. And then he took the washing machine out to the curb. He set it at the curb, and he leaned the sign up against it. And then he waited for somebody to come and take away that old washing machine. He figured, surely, it wouldn't sit there for very long. But day after day after day, he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And that washing machine stayed there by the curb. Morning after morning, he would look out the window and see that it was still sitting there. Every once in a while, a car, as it was driving by, would slow down a little bit, and somebody would take a closer look at that washing machine, and he would get his hopes up but then it would speed up again and drive off. The man just couldn't understand it. He was frustrated, and he was confused. And one day, he was talking to his neighbor. He was pouring out his woes and troubles and shaking his head and saying, I just can't understand why nobody wants to take a perfectly good washing machine. And his neighbor listened as he was talking about all of his confusion and frustration. And then finally, his neighbor said, Do you mind if I make a suggestion? And then the neighbor shared his idea with the man, and the man said, well, I suppose it couldn't hurt. And so the man went home, and he got out his paintbrush again. He flipped over that piece of plywood, and on the backside of the plywood, this time he painted $50, inquire within. And he leaned the sign up against the washing machine, went back in the house, and sure enough, the next morning when he looked out the window, he saw that somebody had come in the middle of the night and stolen that washing machine. (laughs) Uh, You've already worked out the moral of the story, right? You've already figured out what the lesson of the story is. It can be hard for us to see the value in something that we can have for free. It can be hard for us sometimes to see the value in something that is simply ours for the taking. Keep that thought in the back of your mind. Tuck that washing machine away in the back of your mind as we hear the story of Manche Masimala. 
So today we're in the third week of a series that we're calling So Great a Cloud. In this series, we are hearing the story of 10 people who lived and died in the years of the 20th century. As we make our way through this series, what we're discovering is that saints and martyrs didn't just live hundreds of years ago. There are saints and martyrs living and dying for Jesus still in this world today. We are learning what they have to teach us about walking in the way of Jesus. This morning, our story takes us to South Africa. This morning, we're going to hear the story of Manche Masimala. Amanche was born in South Africa. Her people, the petty people, had once ruled over a vast kingdom that stretched all the way across southern Africa. But then the Dutch came, and the Dutch decided that they wanted to farm. So they fought with the petty people, drove them off their land, and started farming on their what had once been the petty kingdom. And then the British discovered gold and diamonds in South Africa, and so they sent soldiers to South Africa, and they drove the petty people farther and farther off their ancestral homelands until eventually the petty people were confined to this barren, hard scrabble place, a sort of a reservation where they were just barely able to scrape out a living. This is what the petty people knew of the Christian faith. All that they knew of the Christian faith was that Christians came with greed and with guns, and they stole people's land right out from under them. And so most of the petty people had no interest in learning about the Christian faith. Most churches didn't even bother sending missionaries out to the petty people because they knew that it was likely to be a waste of time. But there was one exception. Not far from where Manche was born and where she was raised, there was a tiny mission that was run by an African priest, Father Augustine Moeka. And Father Augustine would lead worship on Sundays, and two times during the week he would teach classes about the Christian faith. When she was just 13 years old, Manche and her cousin, Lucia, heard Father Augustine preaching. They heard him sharing the gospel. They heard him sharing the good news of God's love in Jesus. And as Father Augustine was talking about Jesus, as he was telling the stories of Jesus, Manche felt something stirring within her soul in spite of everything that had been done to her people in the name of Jesus, in spite of all of the hostility that her people and her family had for the Christian faith, Manche found herself falling in love with Jesus. She found that she wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus as the disciples had sat at the feet of Jesus. And so she started making the trip, walking from her home to the mission over and over again. She would go on Sundays and share in worship. She would make the journey two times a week for classes and studies in the Christian faith. And at first, her parents allowed her to do that. They weren't thrilled. They weren't excited about their daughter learning about the Christian faith, but they figured, well, she's young. Maybe it's a phase. She'll eventually grow out of it. Well, then Mancha announced that she wanted to be baptized, and that's when her parents put their foot down. They said it's one thing to study the Christian religion. It's another thing entirely to convert to the Christian faith. They said, we absolutely forbid it. You will not be going to that mission anymore. But Manche would not be deterred. She disobeyed her parents. And she kept going back over and over again to worship and to study the Christian faith. She made that journey on Sundays. She made the journey two times a week for classes. And so her parents started trying to figure out how they could stop Manche from going to this mission to spend time with Father Augustine. They tried beating Manche. 
Every time she came back from worship on Sunday, they would beat her. Every time she came back from classes during the week, they would beat her. But still, Manche kept going. They brought in a traditional healer, and he made a potion that he said would cure her of her Christian faith. Her parents made her drink the potion. It made her ill, but it didn't put a dent in her faith. She kept growing in her faith, and she kept going back over and over again for worship and for study in the Christian faith. Her parents took away her clothes so that she wouldn't be able to leave the house, but still faithfully every morning and every evening, Manche would go out back behind the family home and she would spend time in prayer and worship. No matter what her parents did, Manche kept growing and growing and growing in faith. And as their attempts to stop her from going to see Father Augustine became more and more desperate and more and more violent, Manche began to believe that eventually one day her parents were going to go too far. She said to Father Augustine, and she said to her cousin Lucia, I believe that I am going to be baptized in my own blood. Now, Manche was scheduled to be baptized in worship on Easter Sunday morning, but sure enough, just a few weeks before that was scheduled to happen, Manche was dead. It's hard to say exactly how she died. That's often the case with martyrs. The people who were there when it happened aren't eager to tell the story. Some people say that her parents had that traditional healer come in and make another potion and they forced Manche to drink it, but this time it didn't just make her ill. This time she didn't survive. Other people say that her parents gave her such a savage beating that when it was over, Manche crawled out into the wilderness and she made her way to a place where there was a lonely hillside with a large granite stone, and she leaned up against the stone, and then there on the hillside she died. Other people say that her parents took her out there to that hillside, fully intending to end their daughter's life. It's hard to say exactly how Manche died. What we know is that she died at the hands of her own parents, and she was buried on that hard scrabble, barren hillside by a place where there was a large granite stone. Manche Massimola was only 15 years old. Of all the stories that we're going to hear in this series, for me, the story of Manche Massimola is one of the most inspiring, also one of the most haunting. The thing that inspires me about Manche's story is the hunger that she had for Jesus. The hunger that she had for knowledge, the hunger that she had for God's love, the hunger that she had to grow in faith. Manche Massimola never learned to read. She never learned to write, but she was not about to let anyone stop her from spending time at the feet of Jesus. In a lot of ways, she's like a character straight out of the parables of Jesus. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a treasure that was buried in a field. One day a man who is working in the field discovers the treasure and he buries it again and in his joy he goes and sells everything that he owns so he can come back and buy that field. The kingdom is like a merchant who travels the world looking for fine pearls. One day he discovers a pearl of particularly great beauty and value and he goes and sells everything that he owns in order that he might possess that pearl. Manche saw the value in the treasure. Manche saw the beauty in the pearl. She was willing to give everything she had, even to the point of giving her life, in order to be close to Jesus. That's the thing I find inspiring about Manche's story. The thing that haunts me, the 
thing that haunts me about this story is this simple and challenging question. What about us? Do we see the value in the treasure? Do we see the beauty of the pearl? Or are we like those people who put our foot on the gas and drive past the washing machine because we could have it for free? We live in a very different time and place than Manche Masimula lived. Nobody is telling us that we can't worship Jesus. Nobody is beating us and trying to stop us from going to Sunday school. For most of us, the only thing standing between us and growing in our faith, the only thing standing between us and Jesus is our own indifference. Pew Research says that in America... Fewer than one out of every three seniors regularly participates in religious education. More than half of the seniors in America never participate in religious education at all. More than half of the seniors in America have reached a point in their lives where they say, I've got to the end of everything I could possibly learn about God. There is nothing new that anyone could possibly teach me about God's love. I will stop growing in my faith. I have grown far enough as if we could possibly reach the end of what there is to know about God, as if we could possibly exhaust everything there is to learn about the ways of God and the love of God. When we look at the younger generations, we see that fewer than one in five young adults regularly participates in religious education. Two-thirds of young adults have no religious education at all. Nobody is beating us for going to Sunday school. Nobody is telling us that we cannot worship Jesus. When we hear stories like Manche's story, sometimes our reaction is to say, isn't that sad? How tragic? Wouldn't it be wonderful if she could have lived in a different time and a different place? Isn't it a wonderful thing that we live in such a different time and place in history? What we fail to recognize so often is that our moment, our time, our place in history can be just as hostile and just as toxic to growing in our faith as the time and place where Manche lived and died. Manche saw the value in the treasure. She saw the beauty in the pearl, but sometimes it can be so very hard to see the value in something that we can have for free. The first couple weeks in this series, we heard stories of people who were famous within their own lifetimes. We heard the story of the Grand Duchess Elizabeth, who was born into a royal family and was one of the most famous and wealthy women in all of Europe. We heard the story of the Archbishop Janani Luwum, who was a spiritual leader for people in four different African nations. Manche's story is a very different story. She lived a very different kind of life. She lived a quiet life, an anonymous life. And it was only after she died that people started telling her story. Father Augustine started telling Manche's story. Her cousin Lucia started telling Manche's story. Not long after she died, in a moment of grief, her father went out and planted a tree on that hillside, not far from where Manche was buried. A few years later, a group of Christians went out to that place and they worshipped 
And they told Manche's story, and they honored her witness, and they celebrated her life. And that pilgrimage to that place became an annual event. Still to this day, nearly 100 years after Manche died, people go out to that place every year, and they worship. And then they have a conference. They talk about issues affecting women and young people in South Africa. Manche's legacy lives on. Her witness is still changing the world to this day. But that's not the most remarkable part of her story. The most remarkable part of the story. The biggest twist in the story is this. Forty years after Manche died, after a lifetime of hostility and resentment and regret, Manche's mother became a Christian. She was baptized in the waters of grace and forgiveness and new life just as Manche was baptized in her own blood. Manche's witness continues to change the world. Her memory still is changing the world to this day. And all of this happened because she saw the value of the treasure in the field. She saw the beauty in the pearl of great price. She saw, she saw the value in spending time at the feet of Jesus. Court Street United Methodist Church, do we? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for Manche's witness, for the hunger that she had, for knowledge, for your love, for the stories of Jesus. God, make us hungry like Manche was hungry. Place within us a desire to learn. Motivate us to stop and have what you would give us for free. God, may this place become a place of growth and learning in the spirit of Manche Masimala. In Jesus we pray. Amen.